Love Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuning in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Absolutely great for one 
Nightmare Jones, and you know I actually have 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 a a, a real quick song that I wanted to play that I think is perfect for the Christmas season. Can can I get about one minute, so Can can we let this well, play course, for like man. one minute? Hey, hey, it's your show, Josie. I'm just here for the ride. Shout out to my boy Brandon tuning in, Susie, everybody out in Virginia, West Virginia. Love y'all. Thank you for being here early. Intern Timmy, you know what to do, baby. Hit the music.
if there's something that you want to bring to the table, the number of the dial is 657-383-1521. Again, that's 657-383-1521 to join us here on the show this evening. Enter, Timmy. You know what to do, baby. We're about to kick around some topics. Some topics. Your, your boy, the Night Owl, along with Nightmare Jones, go ahead and hit the high spots music. Greetings, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. talk about in the world of professional wrestling and I guess that 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 the one thing that 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 I wanted to talk about is we finally got the Seth Rollins heel turn everybody has been wanting you know he was a face for a while and the fans wanted him to turn heel and looks like Seth Rollins has joined the AOP and Myself, I absolutely loved it because I think Seth Rollins is a much better heel than he is a face. He's like The Miz. I like The Miz better as a heel than I do a face. So, you know, I was thoroughly happy to see Seth Rollins finally make that heel turn once again. What were your thoughts, Renee? Well, listen, I absolutely loved it as well. And the biggest thing for me was that Seth Rollins is going about it in a bit at a bit of a unique way. He actually is trying to pin it back on the fans. I wasn't originally going to do this, but you guys forced me into it. I wasn't originally going to do that, but you guys forced my hand. I appreciated the way that he did it, and I think that he's going to give AOP the much-needed boost that they need to be successful in the main roster with their limitations on the microphone. I want to reference, now that I think about the AOP, I want to reference a, a tag team that was just recently released this week from WWE, and that is the Ascension. A team that all, had all the promise, that had all the ability, had all the momentum going on to the main roster, but because there was no one there to really help carry them, they fell to the wayside. I think by putting AOP with Seth Rollins, it gives them every opportunity that they could ever want to be in the, in the, in the main event spotlight and, and, and every opportunity they could ever want to be taken seriously. So kudos to the WWE for recognizing their limitations and for putting them in a position to be successful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely could not agree more. Um, you know, as Seth, Seth Rollins as a heel, like I said, is much better than he is as a face, in my opinion. And putting him with the AOP is is going to be able to help them out since they're not the best on the microphone. They got Seth Rollins to, to talk on the the microphone. But we want you guys thoughts. So what what we need you all to do is dial six five seven three eight three one five two one and let us know. What did you think about Seth Rollins uh 
turning heel and joining the uh, AOP. Um, I guess that my next thing I wanted to, to talk about real quick is this TLC card. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not really that interested in it. Like, there's not really anything much interesting in the TLC card. Like, I, hopefully they, they add a couple more matches because the only matches that I know of that, that they're going to have is Rusev against uh, Bobby Lashley, the Kabuki Warriors against uh, Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch, and I guess The Miz against not The Fiend, but Bray Wyatt. Well, you know what, Josie? I, um, I've always been a fan of the TLC pay-per-view uh, because it gives us an opportunity to see uh, the performers outside of their element. Uh, and, of course, they take a lot more risk in matches like this. Uh, I was in a conversation with a couple of, of professionals earlier today, and they talked about the importance of not overusing and abusing gimmick matches. And I think with TLC, you get a little bit of that flavor, uh, and, and it is a bit of overkill, but it's it's only for one night. So for that reason, that reason alone, kind of like, you know, um, like Hell in a Cell or like um, uh, what's uh, what, what's the pay-per-view I'm thinking of where they always do the ladders. Am I out of my mind here? Um, Money in the bank. Money in the bank, yes. Thank you very much. So those pay-per-views have a special element to them. TLC is kind of the same. Now, as far as the individual matchups themselves, um, the whole thing with Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and Rey Mysterio is intriguing. I love all three of those guys. I love what all three of them are doing currently. Uh, I am interested in the Kabuki Warriors. I think those girls are being allowed to kind of really let their hair down and, and get real vicious. And the fact that they're allowing them to compete against their two top female talents um, makes me very, very excited. So I could, I, I could easily point to a couple other things that I don't necessarily like. But you know what? You know me. I'm not a pessimist, man. I'm looking forward to TLC pay-per-view. And as excited as I am for that, Josie, I can't believe you skipped right over this. I thought you were going to kind of beat me to the punch. What I wanted to talk about are these recent announcements of the Hall of Fame induction of the yes. NWO going in, okay, of Bautista going in, and who is once again not going in but the British Bulldog. We've signed petitions. We've had conversations about this in the past. We've talked about him. We've talked about Owen. There's a lot of people who uh, would maybe side with us and say that those inductions are overdue. Uh, with that said, uh, how do you feel about the inductees uh, to this year's edition of the WWE Hall of Fame? Um, you know, the, the NWO, we, we knew at some point that that, that was going to happen. Um, so I, I'm not really surprised about that. Batista, I'm not really surprised about that one either because, you know, he's a movie star now. And so, you know, it's going to get them a lot of publicity, so I, I can understand that. Of course, you know, we want to see the uh, British Bulldog in the, 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 the Hall of Fame. I feel that he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Owen Hart definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, but we all know that the main reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame is because of his wife. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, I would like to see, you know, demolition. You know, there's so many People, I would love to 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 see in the 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 Hall of of, of Fame. Um, you know, it's just 
it, it's just just crazy about you know some of the people that they pick, and then you know it's like like it seems like every year different people get get left out, and sometimes what happens is they continue to get left out, and then they end up passing away. And WWE is also an opportunity to actually have that person there to get their uh, uh, award. Well, you know what? I don't doubt that one bit, Jonesy. Actually, we're on the same wavelength there. What I want to know, and here's the question tonight for the Wrestle Talk podcast family. I know there's a bunch of you guys already watching on YouTube. I know there's a bunch of you guys already watching on the Facebook Live. And if you're listening to the replay, we thank you just the same. Feel free to comment. Uh, feel free to share the broadcast. It really equally is important to us, so thank you guys for your support. The question that I wanted to ask, guys, is this. ¿Qué onda, Raúl? Saludos, primo. Saludos acá desde el estado de Kansas. Got some family checking in, I had to say. Say what's up. I know my, my cousin Raúl out in California. I got a lot of love for him, man. Uh, but anyway, the NWO, we knew they were going to get in. It was just a matter of time. I loved uh, recently Sean Waltman said, because he was asked, hey, how do you feel about not being in- inducted as an individual into the Hall of Fame, and his words his words exactly were, I do not give a shit. <laughs> I love Sean Waltman, bro. He keeps it so real. I love it. You guys can look up the article where he was uh, interviewed about it over at um, Wrestling at WrestlingInc.com. That's uh, WrestlingInc.com. Those guys uh, provide great news of the world of professional wrestling. Not so much rumors and stuff like that, just news, which I can appreciate. But the question for me is, what is the most memorable part of the NWO run? Was it when it, it when it first happened? Was it when uh, you know you had the separation and you had you know the Wolf Pack and then you had the regular NWO? What was your favorite part of the NWO saga? And many people still contend that the NWA continues. I mean, the NWO continues because we've seen them make appearances over the last couple of years. Maybe it's more nostalgic than anything else. But it's still a, a chapter in the book. So tell us, dial that number, guys, 657-383-1521. How do you feel about Seth Rollins turning heel? How do you feel about the NWO and Batista going into the Hall of Fame? Or anything else you guys want to talk about? We encourage you to dial that number and join us right now. Jonesy, I know you got a lot of thoughts on that, brother. So why don't you lay them on us? Okay. Oh, looks like we have a caller. We're going to go ahead and bring him on. You know, Josie, I threw to you, but since we have a caller, let's go ahead and throw the caller. And I have an additional question. What up, Uncle Steve? Shout out to Philly. Shout out to Jersey. Shout out to them crazy Italians out there. I love y'all so much. Um, I want to ask Lucha about all the stuff we've been talking about, but I really want to ask Lucha about what the hell is going on with Tito and El Patron fighting in MMA. MMA and how that match went. I also want to talk to him about why in the world is nobody talking about Wrestle Kingdom. Hmm? Listen, I love AEW and I love WWE, but the best promotion going right now, in my opinion, is New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then nobody's talking about it. You can go to all the wrestling news sites, and it's not going to be anywhere near the top. you got to dig for it. My goodness, guys, John Moxley showed up there. Tenta is finally hitting 100, 100 miles an hour. Why is nobody talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling? Luchador, welcome to the show, man. Help us answer some of these questions, man. Yeah, I know. What's going on with everybody not talking about New, what the hell is New wrong Japan with Pro Wrestling? Exactly. What's up, man? Not much. You know, everybody's talking, 
you know what? I, I do want to say about one thing. You know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they just got done doing the World Tag League. And uh, much congratulations to uh, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson for, for beating up on on uh, the their defending champions. I believe it was Sonata and Evil from uh, – from, uh, um, uh, I forgot the name of the faction. Dang it. <laughs> it's been a long time since I listened to New Japan. Watch New Japan. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that was the, the Hapon, whatever. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, other than that, what, you know, you I heard, uh, yeah. Hello? Hello? <laughs> yeah, what else you got for us, brother? Yeah, hey, um, speaking of New Japan, let's not forget, our local tag team, the Regal Twins, made their debut over the weekend in Anaheim, California, for that New Japan of America show. And I hear that they came out victorious in their in their debut match as well. Let's shout out to the Regal Twins for for their uh, debut match in New Japan. Hopefully, we get to see them at at Wrestle Kingdom this next year. Well, check out check out this lineup. Just over the last couple of weeks, these are all people that have formerly been on the show or associated with the Wrestle Talk podcast. So, mm-hmm. and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, before we move on, uh, Luchador, because i got to get Jonesy's thoughts about this NWO thing. You had Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez. You got the besties in the world winning the Evolve Tag Championships. You got yes, Renee right. out there working Evolve. And you got the Regal Twins working New Japan. When we say that, and, and, and this, is, this goes out to the rest of the talk family. Let me jump on my soapbox here for about 30 seconds. We will acknowledge that the listenership of this show spikes significantly when we bring on big-name guests, the Ted DiBiase's, the ACH's, you know, the, uh, uh, the Bill Afters, the people that have, you know, the Genie Buses, owner of WoW, owner of the Lakers, or we have a rating spike. And that's good. We're happy with it. We appreciate that, right? But I always say this, Jonesy, and I know you've heard me say this over and over again. If you're not listening to the guests that you don't recognize, you're making a huge mistake. Because Brene, Anthony Gutierrez, the Twins, uh, the Besties in the World, they've all been on the show. And now, maybe months or a year or two years after, they're getting their due. And now people are going back and going, man, where did these guys even come from? Right here on the WrestleTalk Podcast, we take a lot of pride on highlighting talent that maybe you haven't heard of, but it's only because you haven't heard of them yet. So if you want to be ahead of the curve, make sure you listen to the WrestleTalk Podcast every single week. I'm sure we can all agree on that. What do you think, Luchador? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially now that you have the uh, the WrestleTalk Podcast on YouTube on YouTube now, and I look forward to watching that every time when I don't get a chance to call the the, the podcast. Well, we're we're grateful for your support, man. Any final thoughts before we let you go this evening? Well, I know you guys are talking about the NWO being inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I just want to put in yes, my sir. two cents about this. You know, the I think the best of times for the NWO was definitely the night Hulk Hogan turned heel at at Bash of the Beach, nineteen ninety six. I mean, I I mm-hmm. was. I think I was watching the, the highlights from on Monday Nitro, and 
I was jaw dropped. You know, I mean, he was still my favorite favorite wrestler of all time. You know, and I was like jaw dropped and shocked that he would actually pull that off at at Bash's Beach '96. That was something else. But then again, there's always a downside, and you know, I think the downside was definitely several years later at Bash of the Beach 2000 when uh, I guess you could say that uh, that controversy that, that that made Hulk Hogan all of a sudden quit WCW and basically about end the, the, Vince Russo deal? the Vince Russo deal? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that thing. And maybe <laughs> Jeff Jarrett the champion and stuff. <laughs> that was so good. Uh-huh. Oh, look, you know, hold on. It looks like we have some breaking news. We do. We do have some breaking news. You were talking about the NWO. Well, it looks like there is a DVD box set called The New World Order, The Revolution. Now, this begins with an interesting DVD explaining explaining how the veteran wrestlers like Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash formed this, this stable. But then it quickly sets balloons in size with 14 more pointless discs that only dilute the coolness of the first three. The first three DVDs set to provide a, 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 a overview of how the NWR started. Some of the discs afterwards we retained the, the black and white color screen, but there, there's also some that are red and black, some that have Japanese lettering, and then they also have some that have Virgil slash Vincent and David Flair. So you got this NWO uh, uh, a DVD set, and it starts out good, but then 14 discs later, it starts getting really, really bad. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> all right, all right. My goodness. Well, that sounds a lot like the regular, normal version of the NWO. 14 unnecessary chapters that nobody needed. Luchador, a great call tonight, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Josie, I know we got a few more callers, but um, before we get to them, I wanted to ask you, bro, what do you think was the epicenter, the peak of the NWO? Do you think it was right there at the beginning was it somewhere along the way? Do you have a memory of them that maybe has stuck with you over the years that you'd like to share with the rest of the Wrestle Talk family? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that the pinnacle of the NWO was when it first started out. When it first started out, when it was just the NWO, it was absolutely amazing. It was one of the best stables around. You know, you, you had the likes of Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Eric Bischoff, you know, the list goes on and on and and on. And I think what happened with the NWO was when they decided to, to start splitting it up into different factions. You had the NWO Black. You had the NWO Red. You had the NWO uh, Red and Green. You know, so it, 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 it just... It got to the point where everybody was in NWO, but it was split up into different factions, and then each faction was fighting each other, and 
after that, it just got really, really, really confusing. So definitely, when it first started, it was really good, and then when it switched to the the different factions, that's when it kind of started losing its steam. Well, you know what? That's really unfortunate because it was one of the greatest and most memorable moments in pro wrestling history. Uh, that said, guys, we are just a matter of moments away of jumping on the horn uh, with one of our favorite guests really ever. He's John Cosper, and he's an author who's well-respected throughout the pro wrestling world. You can catch him uh, quite frequently over at the Cauliflower Alley Club, but you can catch him 24-7 over at EatSleepWrestle.com. He's also the author of the Bluegrass Brawlers. And oddly enough, he was mentioned a few times, I think, on the most recent Jim Cornette podcast, and they were talking about Kentucky Wrestling, and there was a guy that was born back in the 30s. I can't remember his name right now. I really should have wrote it down. But John, for all intents and purposes, he's an author. He's a historian. Uh, he's a guy that can write fantastic stories and really help you visualize the history of professional wrestling like very few people. Uh, he'll be joining us here in just a matter of moments. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to get to uh, before we go any further is this. Uh, this Sunday night, Yours truly, the Night Owl, uh, will be having. Uh, I'll be. Get, I'm going to be getting interviewed, and it, it has very little to do with the Wrestle Talk podcast. And a lot of people are like, "Well, why? Why else would you be getting interviewed?" Well, I hadn't shared this with a whole bunch of people, but I guess I'm going to go ahead and cut, kind of let the cat out of the bag now. Um, I have partnered up with somebody that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, Um, a a very close friend, somebody that I admire, somebody that's been working very, very hard for a long time in the professional wrestling world, and we decided to put our experience and our resources together uh, to create something special here in Kansas City. And that is called Royal Alliance Wrestling. So for those that were not aware uh, I am the president of talent and business operations uh, over at Royal Alliance Wrestling. Uh, I will be uh, more or less the person orchestrating all the happenings of RAW starting uh, December 21st. So for those of you who have been seeing all the advertising on social media and you're wondering who's behind this, what this is all about, really, if you have any questions, direct them to me, the night out. Yours truly. Um, I love and enjoy uh, pretty much more than anything doing the podcast. But the other thing that I enjoy equally as much is developing businesses and developing talent. And so I'm going to take the, all the stuff that I learned over the last five, six years since I've been involved with professional wrestling, and I'm going to try to create something tangible, which is this promotion that you guys can reference as Raw or AKA Royal Alliance Wrestling. Our very first show is going to take place uh, on December 21st in Overland Park. You guys can find out more about that by visiting Raw Wrestling 24-7 on Facebook. All you got to do is type in Royal Alliance Wrestling, and you can find us. Our colors are purple and gold. Um, go ahead and look up some of the talent that we've already got booked. I think you guys will be extremely impressed. And I'm doing it for one reason and one reason only. It's been quite frustrating for me to live in Kansas City, and over the time that I've been very involved in pro wrestling, 
There's never been more than one or two promotions that are operating on a regular basis. And that can be a little frustrating because I, I end up talking more about Kentucky wrestling and uh, the East Coast side of wrestling and Chicago and St. Louis. I never really get too much of an opportunity to talk about wrestling here in my own region. And you guys know we cover wrestling on a national and international level. And it's not to say that we're going to only talk about Kansas City wrestling because we would be isolating ourselves quite a bit if we only talked about that. But when I do, it's only about one or two different promotions that always frustrated me. So I said, I said to myself, if I ever get the opportunity, the right partners, and the, prop, the appropriate resources to do something about that, to try to expand the professional wrestling here in Kansas City, I'm going to do that. And I've decided to go ahead and partner up and make this thing happen. So this Sunday, uh, I'm going to be on the horn with my buddy uh, Robert Hickman, and we're going to have an opportunity to talk all things Royal Alliance Wrestling, the origins, why it is that I'm taking this leap of faith and doing it, even though the show, the Wrestle Talk podcast, is doing very well. I've got a pretty decent career as a commentator, um, even though my voice is kind of shitty right now. I apologize to everybody for that. But the bottom line being, um, we have an opportunity to stay pat, stand pat, and continue to do very well. But I like to take chances, and more than anything, I love the professional wrestling community with all my heart. So I want to do what I can to help expand that. So I'm putting my neck on the line a little bit here in trying to actually run a show. So, again, this Sunday I'm going to be on the Breaking Fabe, not Kayfabe, Breaking Fabe podcast, okay? We're going to record it Sunday. It'll be released on Tuesday. We'll go ahead and share the link with you guys throughout all the WrestleTalk social media platforms and on the website. But if you guys can do me a huge favor and go and look up Breaking Fabe Podcast, okay? Give them a like, tell them WrestleTalk sent you, and let them know that they're going to be interviewing a hell of a guy, the Night Owl. (laughs) I'm excited to be able to kind of let it all out of the bag. This is not the place to do it because we've got John Cosper. We've got Billy uh, Starks coming up here in a little bit. I just wanted to go ahead and peel the curtain back and let you guys know I am heavily involved with Royal Alliance Wrestling. I'm going to be on a podcast this upcoming Sunday. It will be released on Tuesday. If you don't already have your tickets, again, Royal Alliance Wrestling on Facebook for more information on that. All that said, Josie, I had to get it off my chest, man. I think it's time, though, to get on our first featured guest of the evening. Enter, Timmy. You know what to do, baby. John Cosper's back on the show and we're going to talk all things professional wrestling. Cue up that music as we welcome back the one and only John Cosper. Hey! Let that play! Let it play! What's going on, Mr. Cosmo? How you doing? I'm good. I see you guys have dug up a bit from my past before wrestling there. So. <laughs> I did. I did. I went to YouTube, and I typed in John Cosmo, and and I was like, I was amazed by everything that, that I've seen. And I can promise you, 
Once you're about to talk about Casey Rubin tonight, I'm going to be going back and looking at some of those those videos because they are definitely uh, interesting videos. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, for for folks who are wondering what in the world that was, that's actually a former student of mine did the song. Um, I did a series of short films with a zombie puppet named Clive, and uh, he's actually <laughs> recently taken over my my. My my regular author website, johncosper.com, that'll still get you there, but clivethezombie.com is now kind of the home for all the old short films that I used to write and, and all the the fiction projects that I did. Uh, I, I, stuff, it's actually stuff that I've released recently along, along with the wrestling stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, in my, in my prior life before becoming a diehard pro wrestling historian and and uh, re- really getting absorbed in this world, I was I was an aspiring filmmaker and comedy sketch writer and and uh, fiction, and just throwing spaghetti against the wall and waiting to see what stuck. So, um, yeah, <laughs> feel free to go out there and check it out. Those they they actually played at some horror film festivals, and uh, Clive the Zombie was was quite the hit when he was making the making the rounds. Absolutely, you know. Uh, so, I I I gotta say, John, I recently got. A, uh, a, a copy of your your book, Bluegrass Ballers, and it is an absolute amazing book. If you've not gotten this book, you definitely need to get this book. This is a book basically about the, the history of uh, professional wrestling in uh, Louisville. Um, it's just it's chock full of uh, of information. Can you tell the readers a little bit about this book? That's that's the first book that I wrote as far as, far as a pro wrestling book, first nonfiction book that I ever wrote, and um, it just just came from you know I, I was was kind of yeah, I'd read a lot of wrestling books over the years and and was was kind of looking for a new challenge for myself. Uh, like like I said, it, it tried my hand at film and, and sci-fi and things like that, and it just was getting making any headway. But one day at lunch, I told my wife, I'm thinking about writing a book about the history of wrestling in Louisville. And to my surprise, she said, Go for it. Uh, I think she regrets that a little bit now, but you know it, it's turned out rather well. So. Uh, but Pro- Bluegrass Brawlers essentially it starts in 1880 with an intergender match between a female circus wrestler named mm-hmm. Ida Alb and a uh, quote-unquote local man who, who uh, you know answered her open challenge to anybody in her weight class. Best three out of five falls to prove that the circus wrestlers uh, for Adam Forpaugh's Circus were not were not faking it. We're, we're, we're on the level. And it goes from that to the uh, the the first the golden age of Ed Strangler Lewis, who actually got his name uh, after no showing and then showing up two weeks later, you know, for a Louisville promoter in 1913. Uh, it comes uh-huh. forward into the you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s with the Allen Athletic Club, uh, which I went back and wrote a whole book on the Allen Athletic Club, Louisville's greatest show, a couple of years afterwards. And then, of course, the Memphis wrestling area and uh, you know the, the OVW era as well, when when Louisville was um, shoot it, you know, you go back, go back in time, 19 years, go over to the Quadrangle in Jeffersonville, which was falling apart at the time. And on, you know, on a Wednesday night, you could have walked into a TV taping for I don't know if it was five dollars then or if it was free, but you could have seen John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, Batista, Shelton Benjamin, Rico Costantino, all these guys for free, you know, before they were stars. Hey, so, wait a minute, John, um, John, John, yeah. he would be mad at us. He would be mad at us if we didn't mention him. Don't forget about the legendary Kenny Bolin. Would have also of course, been there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Kenny I, I, Bolin. I, 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 the 
Yeah, Star, Star Maker Bold. That was actually the first autobiography I wrote. Yeah, and uh, gosh, what a great storyteller! And you know, and he'll gladly tell you. You know, he, he launched the careers of a lot of guys into the WWE. He got the nickname Star Maker because you know all, everybody who'd come through Bolin Services got called up. You know, Cena and Rico and Sean O'Hare and Rob Conway and Mark Henry. And and they they put two guys they they put it was Lance Cade and Mark Jindrak and Cornette said to him privately good luck getting these guys called up sure enough they got called up and that's when Cornette dubbed him the Star Maker. Absolutely, you know you've written so many books about so many different you know people and um, one of of your most recent books, if I'm not mistaken, is one on the the Black Panther, the original Black Panther. Jim Mitchell, uh, what made you want to write a book about the original Black Panther? He was a that was a name that jumped out at me. There was there was an article about him making a return visit in the early 1940s to Louisville. Uh, he got his start really around the late 1920s, 1930s. I wasn't able to pinpoint exactly when because it wasn't quite as as well covered. And, and with him being an African American, he wouldn't necessarily have gotten the press. Uh, but he was born in Louisville in 1909. Um, got to start with Louisville, got his real big break working for Jimmy McLemore up in Indianapolis, and uh, ended up traveling the world, became, you know, really was the first true, you know, African-American superstar in pro wrestling. Uh, he had a great feud in 1949 with uh, Gorgeous George that actually ended up, there was a riot at the, at the at the Olympic Auditorium out in Los Angeles that was inside a bit, you know, after their main event match one night. Um, but he, he was he was a name that stuck out to me as, as somebody who was from Louisville, and, and the more I researched him, the more I wanted to know. And uh, just happened to hit the motherload, you know, just a lucky break. I had some stories about him on my website, and a guy in Toledo, Ohio, which is where Mitchell relocated in the 30s, uh, reached out to me, told me a buddy of his had purchased Jim Mitchell's house long after he had passed away and found all of his stuff. Um, and I was able to catalog or, or – we're talking close to a thousand, you know, photos and programs and, um, you know, personal documents and letters and, and different things. Uh, he was a Mason. We had some of his, his Masonic, you know, things left over. There were suitcases. I've got the flag from his funeral. He was a U.S. Army veteran uh, on my bookshelf right behind me here. Um, and I've got a pair of his boots sitting right next to it. So um, I was really able to, to dig in. And it was, it was just an incredible lucky find. And um, I'll put this out there. Jim Mitchell collected smoking pipes from around the world. He, he, he was, he was, that was, that was his thing. He loved to collect pipes. His friends brought him pipes. His fans sent him pipes. And he literally had a collection of thousands of pipes. The whole collection is still sitting up there in Toledo. Um, and the guy who's got it, he's, he's, he's retired now. He's looking for somebody to offer him a good price. And, you know, we're, we're looking for that one special fan, that one guy who's, who's a pipe smoking aficionado, but also, somebody who loves pro wrestling or maybe even that just African-American history wants to help us preserve that stuff and, and uh, get it someplace where, where it can be taken care of and, and, and his story can be told. Wow. That is, is, is absolutely um, 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 amazing. Um, I guess that my last question be before I throw it to uh, Renee, because I don't want to take up all the uh, time is, uh, I would have to say probably one of your craziest books would have to be about a book about a guy by the name of Madman Pondo, who we've <laughs> had on the Wrestle Talk podcast, a legendary deathmatch wrestler 
um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing stuff about the the bluegrass ballers and, and the original Black Panther. What made you want to do a book about Madman Pondo? Just getting to know the guy uh, made me want to. My, my second book was was uh, called it was actually titled Eat Sleep Wrestle, and it was I went out and interviewed you know a couple of dozen different indie wrestlers, including Madman Pondo. Uh, we kind of hit it off, became friends, and anytime I'd see him at a show, he'd call me over and he'd tell me another story. Hey, did I tell you about this one? Did I tell you this one? Um, and Panda, this is the thing about when Madman Panda starts telling you a story. Uh, and we'll, we'll just compare and contrast them to Bolin for a minute. When Bolin's telling a story, you always know there, there's some, you know, as he likes to say, if I've told you the story before, let me tell it again, the ending might have changed. You know, there's a little exaggeration going on. And when Panda starts telling you a story, you start to think, you know, because it's like, man, nobody goes through this. This doesn't happen in real life. Nobody does this kind of stuff. And, you know, like he's telling me the story one day about, you know, I just happened to be in London promoting a video game, and I find out David Blaine's there doing a stunt where he's suspended over the Thames River in a glass box, and he's, he's for 40 days with no food or water. So I went and found a restaurant with the, found the biggest cheeseburger I possibly could. I got the biggest Coke I could. <laughs> I went down to where he was, what was going on. I yelled until he looked up. I got his attention, and I ate the burger. Pulls his phone out. Here's the photos. <laughs> He's like, here's David Blaine. Here's me. <laughs> and I mean, you wow. Know, uh, you know, I just uh, – let me tell you about Pondo. He's, he's got one of – he has the biggest – he's one of two guys who have the biggest arts in pro wrestling. Um, he's done so much for so many other people, you know, without even looking for anything in return, very rarely getting anything in return. Um, he, he loves pro wrestling. You know, he wanted, he wanted to be a pro wrestler and, and he went out, you know, knew he wasn't the pretty boy type that WWE would ever hire, but he, he found his niche in deathmatch wrestling and he continues to, to give back and he's, he's doing great things. Um, I know you guys have got Billy coming up later on. Yeah. Pondo's the driving force behind girl fight wrestling, which in itself is just an incredible story. Uh, this promotion that's been going for several years now actually predates, you know, when the two of us met uh, when their first show happened. But I mean, he's helped to, you know, provide a platform, you know, and an opportunity for young girls to, to meet with some of the older ladies and to network, to learn from them and everything and kind of provide a launch pad onto places like shine and shimmer. Um, if you look at the roster of girls that have been through girl fight wrestling, you know, they're in ring of honor, they're an impact, they're in NXT, they're in WWE, you know, it's it's really a great story. It, it continues to grow, and it, I know they've got some great things going next year. Or so, but you know, circling back to Pondo, yeah, why do I want to write his story, book? Because the man is a great storyteller, um, and he kept you know he kept blowing me off a little bit. And other people was like, you know, you need to write a book. It's like nobody wants to read my book. Let me tell you something. His book is outselling every other book that I've got up on Amazon right now this Christmas. He's you know, Pondo's a great storyteller. And his book is just a fun, fun, crazy read. Uh, not a read for younger younger readers, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, I mean, just some great stories about wrestling, great stories about his, you know, personal life adventures, you know, everything from him yanking a tooth out, his own tooth out with pliers to, you know, hanging out on the set of a movie with Eli Roth before he was Eli Roth. Um, actually loaning Eli Roth a bootleg copy of his own movie, Cabin Fever, that he hadn't seen yet. Uh, and then having lunch with you know, Robert England, and and I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is like a, again, you know, this kind of stuff is like this. This doesn't happen. So like, here's me and Eli Roth right there. <laughs> so. 
I am not going to take up all of the time because I know that Renee has been chomping at the bit. So, Renee, why don't you come in here with whatever questions that you have? Uh, Absolutely, Joe. Thank you, Amanda. You were absolutely prepared today. Uh, Those are some great questions, so I'm going to do my best to follow up. Uh, John, as always, thank you for making time. It's always an honor and a pleasure. Uh, We know that you're held uh, in high esteem in many circles. And uh, the fact that you're willing to make time for us every so often, man, it means a lot to us. So thank you. Hey, you guys have been great to me, and I, I always love coming on talking with you guys. And um, you know, it's just it's just just always a good conversation. Any, any chance to get to catch up? Love it, I love it, man. So let me start off by asking you this. So uh, we announced this last week, uh, the Wrestle Talk podcast. Um, we're, we're we're hoping, we're praying, we're planning, we're preparing. Uh, to make our first venture out to Las Vegas in 2020 for the prestigious Cauliflower Alley Club reunion. Uh, Joe, uh, my partner, actually just got his membership. I'm in the process of doing that. I think that's what I'm asking my wife for for Christmas, uh, for a CAC lifetime membership. And uh, we have every intention of being out there, God willing, of course. Uh, I know you frequent the CAC on a fairly regular basis, and I love to ask this question to people who do go out there, what makes that event so special? Because a lot of people talk about the Hall of Fame, right? We just heard about the NWO. We just heard about Batista. And there's a lot of fantastic people in that Hall of Fame as well. But I think it's a completely different thing and maybe even a more prestigious thing, in my opinion, to be honored at the CAC. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but can you tell me what makes the Cauliflower Alley Club so special to you? Well, I have to agree with you 100% on that. Um, as far as WWE Hall of Fame and goes and everything, I mean, there is no Hall of Fame you can visit. And and what, what's out there on the web and what you see on TV on that special, that's all sanitized to the WWE's liking. It's, it's their interpretation of history and everything. Um, if fans want to know the history and they, they, want to, they want to really see the legacy of the, of the sport, there's three places to go right now. There's the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame down in Texas. There's the Dan Gable Museum with the Luthez George Tragos Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, which I'm going to again this, this July. I can't wait to get out there. And there's the Cauliflower Alley Club. Um, and what's fantastic about those places, you know, for, first of all, you know, with the two museums, which are open up year round, you know, there, there's a lot of artifacts and a lot of exhibits, you know, at, at both of those places. And they, they spend a lot of time honoring, you know, you'll see some more recent names and everything like that, but you'll also get to learn about people like, well, like Luthez and like George Hackenschmidt and, and uh, dangerous Danny McShane and, and Mike Mazurki. And, um, you know, the, the guys who really laid the foundation, you know, for, for, for the present time. And I don't mean just say just guys, but, you know, let's, let's talk about Mildred Burke and, and May Young and, you know, the, the ladies that kind of laid the groundwork for, for pro wrestling today as well. But, you know, CAC was, was founded by wrestlers for wrestlers. It's first and foremost, it's a charitable organization. They do a lot to help out wrestlers that have fallen on hard times, not just wrestlers, but anybody who worked in the wrestling business uh, and has fallen on hard times. You know, they, they, you know, when, when Kamala's had his health issues, they kind of, kind of helped him out. Uh, Brickhouse Brown was another guy that they were there for. And, you know, it's not something they don't advertise and, and publicize a lot of, of who they're helping and, and what they're doing, but, you know, everybody works with them. It's, a, it's an all volunteer organization. The whole, you know, CAC reunion every April is put together by volunteers. Um, and uh, it's it's a place to honor the past and, and to help those out, but it's evolved into 
you know, a reunion for the wrestlers and for the, the promoters and the referees and the people who are involved, but it's an open reunion where the fans are invited too. And basically if you go to CAC, you're going to, you know, and, and go ahead and book yourself a room at the gold coast. You're going to want to be there the whole weekend because everybody's there. Everybody's hanging out, you know, the whole time, you know, they're hanging out in the nostalgia room. They might be down in TGI Fridays at the bar. They might be hanging out, you know, by the slots, you know, you'll run into people, you know, here and there, you know, other places in Vegas, but it's not, it's not to be immersed in, in that crowd and, and to get to know people. And, you know, everybody's friendly. Everybody's willing to sit and talk to you and take photos. Um, yeah, you get to meet some great people. The Glow Girls were there last year. A lot of them are involved every year. Uh, you get to meet characters like if you've never met Rock Riddle, guys, you got to find Rock Riddle. You've got to sit. You got to listen to this guy tell stories. Yeah, he's a name that, that not a lot of people know. Um, yeah, first time I met him, you know, I, I I didn't know who he was, but I did a quick search on Wikipedia, and as he's walking by my book table, I'm like. I understand you're on the Gong Show. Can you tell me about Chuck Barris? And he just lit up. And just, I mean, just <laughs> wow, an incredible storyteller and a great guy. Yes, yeah, multiple wow. appearances on the Gong Show. <laughs> so it, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I love CAC. I, I, myself, I've only been there once. It, it's crazy as it is, but my first time being there, um, I got to get on stage. I got to hear Jim Ross, you know, read my name, which I'll, I'll tell you, that, that was exciting. Um, but I got to get up and introduce Dr. D. David Schultz when he got his, his Male Wrestler of the Year award this past year. Um, I, I wish I could go out and hang out with you guys out there. I'm not going to be headed out there this year. I just not a trip I can make every year because because of family and everything and, and my my day right. job and stuff. But um, it, it is certainly some place I want to get back to. It's an organization I love and love being a part of and supporting in every possible way. And um, I'll tell you who will be there: Tracy Smothers is headed there and you know I mean, with knock on wood god willing we're going to have his autobiography out uh he'll have copies of that out there as well so uh this will be his first time going out he's never made the drive he's never you know been to cac and um i'm excited for him to go out there and just you know, to feel the love and support not just from the wrestling community but from the fans that go out there because um it, it's tremendous it's it's a, it's a really fantastic experience well I, i'll tell That's you what and i say I say this tongue-in-cheek, but you're putting out an autobiography of Tracy Smothers. I remember, Joe, I know I know you'll remember this as well. Tracy Smothers has a WrestleTalk podcast world record. And, uh, <laughs> and it's a very good world record. It's not a bad one. It's a good one. So Tracy Smothers is the only guest we've ever had on that we only had to ask one question. I believe it was yeah. you, Joe. I believe it was yep. you. And, and you, and you know, John, you've done this before. Our interviews go about thirty, thirty-five minutes, depending, right? right forty right. minutes. Forty minutes <laughs> of gold. One oh, God, question, yeah. dude. And I just sat there and I listened and I listened and I felt like a sponge. I was taking all this stuff in. When you stop and think about a country boy from the south that got to play a full-blooded Italian and he's going and he's telling us all these crazy stories. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why do more people not know about the genius of Tracy Smothers? And the fact that you're putting it all in a book, it makes me very, very excited because that was only 40 minutes. That obviously doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of some of the stories that Tracy probably has up his sleeve. So I'm a bit jealous of you that you're going to get the opportunity to work with him on that because just a little sh- sh- snippet of time that we had with him 
was absolutely incredible. Joe, am I exaggerating any of this, or am I being 100% truthful? You are absolutely 100% uh, uh, true. Uh, Tracy Smothers, I, I have met him. I have shared a locker room with Tracy Smothers. Uh, he's been on the podcast, and I can promise you that if we, when, when we go to the Colorado Alley Club, if we find Tracy Smothers, we can sit and talk to him, and he will tell you some stories like you would not believe. He will, will if he doesn't even know you, he will talk to you like he's known you for all of his life. He is just that awesome <laughs> of, of a guy. That's exactly who he is. That's exactly how he does. Yeah. And, you know, Tracy's, I've said Pondo's, you know, one of the two guys with the biggest hearts I've ever met in this business. You know, Tracy's the other one. You know, Tracy will, you know, when he is at an independent show, if he's not, in, you know, doing his bit in the ring, you know, he's sitting in a chair somewhere. He can peek through the curtain. He watches everybody's match, you know, and anybody who wants to can approach him and say, how was my match? What can I do better? He is positive. He is encouraging. You know, he, he pours himself out into these young, yeah, they, they call him Pops, you know, and, and Pops has kids all over this country, and they, they love to sit at the learning tree, you know, that they, they love love to listen to him. They love to hear what he, and, you know, and, and the smart ones, which is most of them, if they're going to Tracy, you know, they won't really want to learn. You know, they're taking it in there and applying it, and he, he's making it better as a result. So, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. And I'll, I'll tell you guys, too, I listened to, you know, a lot of shoot interviews that he did and kind of laying the groundwork for the book, getting some of the stories that he's told over and over, like the Bears and things like that. Guys, he hasn't yeah. scratched the surface on a podcast. You know, I've I've heard stories that he's never told anywhere on a podcast. You know, that he's never told in any shoot interviews or anything like that. Um, some some just incredible, incredible tales from Japan, from Mexico. You know, from all over the United States. And you know, I mean, he's, he, uh, you know, to abridge what he what he always likes to say, he's been hired and fired from every company there is to work for except AEW but that they've only been in business for less than a year give it time right give it some <laughs> so, time <laughs> uh, yeah you know so I mean you know, you know he might have a nice run there and you know it'll happen but uh, even if it never does you know this is a guy it's my absolute privilege to be working with this guy as it has been with Dr. D and Pondo and, and Kenny Bolin and Hurricane J.J. McGuire to, you know, bring these people to light, to let people know who their stories are. And, you know, you know everybody, you know, there's the old analogy about if you walk in a bar, you see Jeff Bridges at one end of the bar and you see Bo Bridges at one end of the bar. Which one are you going to go up to? You know, Jeff's the big name. Everybody knows Jeff and Jeff gets approached all the time. Bo's the one who's probably going to sit there and spend more time with you and tell you more stories and, and maybe even buy you a drink. And, you know, Tracy's, Tracy's one of those guys and, and just, um, you know, very friendly, very approachable, and, and an incredible storyteller. And um, I, I cannot wait to get this book out. We, we should actually be releasing, I hope, the book cover, if not by the end of the year, the 1st of January. And then I'm hoping by at least March we'll have the book out. And, uh, certainly, my goal is is to have plenty of copies in his hand before he, you know he heads to the Cauliflower Alley Club. Man, that would be absolutely fantastic, and you can uh, count the Russell Talk podcast as uh, supporters of the book, and uh, we'll be sure to get the word out to the uh, loyal members of the Russell Talk family. Uh, allow me to switch gears here a little bit because when I knew you were coming back on, John, there was uh, like one question that I was trying to like to to word properly. And pretty much going back to, like, Sunday, I was like, all right, how am I going to ask this question? Because I don't know – I don't want to make it too convoluted. So 
Here's what I came up with. Um, being a historian and a storyteller who is so in tune with the history of the sport, how or what have you done to not become jaded and continue to be a fan of the sport today? Because fans of men's sports of yesteryear have a hard time appreciating what they're seeing today. Because, and we've all heard it, right, John? They're doing too many flips. They're not telling stories. It all looks like gymnastics. It all looks like it's overproduced. But somehow, people such as yourself have found a way to continue to be able to appreciate what's going on today. Just out of pure curiosity, how have you managed to strike a balance between the history of the sport that you love, cover, and write about so much, but still continue to be able to have the perspective to where you can enjoy what's going on in the present? Uh, I think really it, it stems from when when I went out to, you know, first of all, I, I never grew tired of it. You know, everybody, you know, when, when I tuned in as an adult, it was it was right after WCW folded. It was right at the time. Yeah, I remember tuning in, you know, to, to Raw one night at the end and going, why, why is Ric Flair on Monday Night Raw? And it was the night that they announced that they had bought WCW. Um, you know, so I kind of came in at that point and, and yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the invasion a lot, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the PG 13 stuff and a lot of the sex stuff during the, the attitude that, that just wasn't my thing anyway. But, um, I mean, really for me, I, I got into independent wrestling after bluegrass brawlers was out. And I would say the largest, biggest reason was, was because I got to know the people who were doing it. Um, you know, I was going to Destination One Wrestling in New Albany, which is where I actually first saw Tracy working in a ring. Um, and I saw guys like Aaron Williams. I saw the Chris Brothers, um, Ron Mathis, Lufisto, uh, Madman Pondo, Crazy Mary Dobson, who's now Sarah Logan. Um, and I got right. to know them, you know, and I ended up writing, you know, Eat, Sleep, Wrestle. And um, really the reason I wrote that book, it wasn't some, you know, it was partly to promote what I had found and really decided that I loved about independent wrestling. But it was also because I was so inspired by them, you know. I mean, you know, my whole life I've wanted to be a full-time writer. I'm not there yet, but I still believe one of these days it's going to happen. You know, the opportunity's there, you know. And every single one of them, that's their dream. They, they except they want to be pro wrestlers, you know. And you know, they put in the work. They, they, you know, they they work out every day. They eat the proper diet. They're working whatever jobs they have to during the week to pay the bills and the rent. You know, they're in the car Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, sharing rooms, sharing rides. You know pushing the t-shirts and everything like that and doing the hustle, you know, these people inspire me, you know, and what's been really cool over the last couple of years, you know, I've just become more and more of a fan of it, you know, and, you know, watching the people that were just, you know, just trying to get their start and really looking for a break, you know, like I said, I mentioned, you know, Sarah Logan is now you know, a WWE star. We all knew she was going to go somewhere one day, you know, but Jake and Dave Christ, they're on impact. I watch those guys on TV every week. It's so cool to me to see these guys. And, you know, the guys that came along that trained with Jake and Dave up in Dayton, watching guys like Ace Austin and Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel and uh, Desmond and Xavier and, you know, people that I've seen through girl fight, you know, seeing Sue Young, you know, who was the girl fight champion. Now she's the impact. Well, she's not at this moment, but, she became the Impact Women's Champion. Um, and then Jordan Grace, you know, I saw Jordan Grace in a match. She was probably 17 or 18. Uh, Falls Count anywhere in Clark County, Indiana, against who, the girl who was then Heidi Loveless. Heidi's now Ruby Riot. She's on WWE. And there's Jordan Grace over there on Impact, you know. So um, for me, it was, I, I just, 
there's something for everybody in pro wrestling, and every promotion is a little bit different. You know, I subscribe to Impact right now. That's really the only one that I subscribe to. You know, and, and a large part of that is a lot of people that I got to know and that I really became fans of in the Indies. They're all there. You know, the tipping point for me was, you know, when Jordan got signed and the Rascals got signed. I'm like, well, heck, what else do I want to watch except watching? You know, the, now everybody that I like is over there. So. Um, you know, I, I would have New Japan as well if New Japan had a decent Roku app, and I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen. But, Thank you. Um, I, Thank I guess you. I guess that's what that... we were talking about earlier, John. We were talking about that I... earlier, and yeah. New Japan. You can jump into that if you want, or you can continue. But we we just don't understand. Maybe it is because they don't have a decent Roku app. But New Japan is so good right now, and if you go to New any Japan of the is a whole other level from anything else. Yeah. It is absolutely uh, I mean, it's phenomenal. Just, yeah. The great thing is Wrestle Kingdom's over a weekend this year. I'm planning to go to bed early and get up early. I have a fire stick coming this week, and they do have an app on the on the Amazon Fire. I hear it's terrible. You know what? Their website's terrible to navigate anyway. But, I've you know, the times that I've had New Japan, I've <laughs> messed with their website. I've figured out how to navigate it, and I have not regretted it because I've watched some incredible wrestling, you know, and, you know, you if I could have that, I could have the, impact. Uh, I, I don't would need anything else. Yeah, and no disrespect. You got to click the English, you know, translate to yeah. English. That's the key to the yeah. New Japan World website. You just got to click English, and then everything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It becomes a lot yeah, easier yeah. to understand. <laughs> but you know what? Man, I watch oh. it in Japanese because it's so much more exciting listening to the Japanese commentators than the, the commentators. commentators. <laughs> I agree. It's so much more exciting. <laughs> No shade on Kevin Kelly because Kevin Kelly does a pretty good job, though. So no shade. No, on him. no, not a, no, no, no shade on any of those guys. They, they, they've all been great, you know, and, and doing that. But uh, yeah, it's just there's an excitement level, you know. The way they call it is different, and it, it's it's New Japan, and it's part of the experience to me of, of you know watching New Japan is is hearing it called in that language and. You know, trying to pick it. You know, I've I've got the Duolingo app, and I've tried to pick up a little Japanese. It's not easy, um, but you know, it's it's part of the fun of watching it. You know, and I'm I'm hoping, in, you know, they're they're expanding into the United States. We've got New Japan USA has an office. Let's get a Roku app. Let's let's get it going. And let's get a, you know, that that's that's going to expand your audience so much more because wrestling fans have proven. You know, they'll fuss with a Roku. They'll watch WWE. They'll watch Impact. They'll watch Ring of Honor. They'll watch, you know, stuff on the Fight Network and, and everything. Well, they absolutely will. And I'm going to transition into my final question before we get into the shoot and shout segment. And it, it's along those same lines, John. Uh, we've seen recently a lot of, let's just say, negative news come out revolving around Ring of Honor. Uh, I don't know how closely you've ever followed them, but it seems like everybody's going out of their way um, to accommodate Ring of Honor no longer being seen as what they once were. Um, I don't know if you've heard any of the stories, the you know the the, the the women's champ being released while being injured, the Jay Lethal situation with uh, with ACH, um, and, and a lot of other talent just sounding off and being dissatisfied with what they're, what they're experiencing during their time of ring of honor. You've been around the business and have covered the business for a long time. From your perspective, what could a company like ring of honor do to start turning around the perspective from a lot of people that they're maybe on the downside 
When in reality, when you look at NXT, John, it's mostly their talent. The Johnny Gargano's, the Tommaso Ciampa's, mm. the, pretty much the whole Undisputed Era. They're all Ring of Honor guys. So what suggestion would you give them in order to try to turn around this perception that they're on a downslide? I, I think they need to look at what Impact's done over the last two years. You know, was there – you go back two years ago, was there any promotion that, that the fans crapped on and everybody said it was just terrible more than TNA? You know, I mean, TNA was past its prime. It needed to be put out of its sleep. We were hearing stories. They were gonna, WWE's going to buy them out and take the, take the library and fire everybody, and it was done and it was over. You know, all the good people were gone from TNA, you know, and then new ownership, new management, putting a new face on it. You know, changing the name from TNA to Impact and, you know, bringing in a whole new crop of people, you know, hungry talent. I mean, my gosh, you know, look at a guy like Sammy Callahan, you know, and look, look what he's done. I mean, that's that's one of the most underrated people out there. And, you know, continuing to find new talent. I think Moose is tremendous. Um, I think Tessa Blanchard is already in the conversation for best, not just best women's wrestler in the world, but best wrestler in the world. You know, I, I think Okada is still the best there is out there, but you know, you can make a strong case in the next couple of years. Everybody's going to be looking at tested that way. You know, they just reinvented themselves. And they, you know, in a way without, you know, necessarily coming out saying it, they're going, you know, hey, this place is screwed up. We understand new ownership, new attitude, new way of doing things. We're going to make it fresh. We're going to make it different. You know, and then they brought people in. You know, they gave them full control over their creative. I think that was a big thing, too you know, was allowing them to have full creative control and whatever character you create here, you take it with you. That's your property now. Um, I think that's, if there's a roadmap for, you know, revitalizing and revamping a wrestling promotion, it's what Impact has done the last couple of years. And, um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see. I think you're seeing a lot of the wrestlers speak out against it uh, in part due to the fact that there is so many more opportunities right now. You know, you've got NWA, you've got MLW, uh, you've got AEW, you've got New Japan, you've got Impact, Ring of Honor, and then, of course, WWE. And I think more wrestlers are feeling empowered, you know, to be able to stand up and say, hey, you're not taking care of us. You're not meeting our medical needs. You know, you're not treating us right. You know, this is not, the you know, a safe you know, environment to work in. Um, you know, you're seeing that with, with the NXT wrestlers as, as well as people at other places. And um, that's that's great for the wrestlers. You know, there's not just one place anymore. You're either working this place or bust, you know, um, if you want to work full time in the business. And I think that's a good thing. And, you know, maybe it's a necessary thing. You know, I mean, Ring of Honor, you know, they need to reinvent themselves or they're not going to survive this, this environment because, you know, Impact's going to be there to snap up their fans. MLW is going to be doing it and NWA is going to be the same thing. So it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens. But again, I think, you know, following the blueprint that, that Impact, you know, laid out before them, that's that's the way to do it. Well, you know what? I'm going to be a little selfish here, and, and I know I said that was my last question. You brought it up, though, John. You said NWA. Uh, and you know what? What what they've done to this point has been absolutely amazing, in my opinion. They've basically single-handedly brought back studio wrestling. Just quickly here, if you don't mind, give us your thoughts on that, and if you see it as a, a, as a breath of fresh air like a lot of the fans of yesteryear see what we're seeing now with the new NWA power show. I can't just say, I haven't watched a lot of it. You know, I, everything I've said, the look of it is cool, you know, and, you know, I, I got to be around Nick Aldis at CAC last year 
you know, there's two guys who have belts around their waist right now that, that, that to me carry themselves like, like a world champion of old. And one of them is Okada and the other one's Nick Aldis, you know, the way he dresses, the way he carries himself, the way he presents himself, you know, Nick Aldis looks and acts like a world champion. And, um, I love the old school feel of it. I love, you know, the, the look of that studio and I love the look of the, the jackets on the announcers. And, um, it, it's, it, again, it's given, it's given options to everybody. You know, if, if impact's not your cup of tea, if NXT is not your cup of tea, Check out NWA. You might really love what's going on over there, you know. And um, yeah, there's just a, you know, I think that's probably the closest to the old school thing. And you get everything from that all the way over. Plus the other extremes, probably Chikara, you know, with with the more cartoon style wrestling and the uh, the masks and everything. But there's something for everybody out there. If you don't like this, go find something else. And you know, I always tell people too, you know. You know, you say WWE is too expensive to go to a show. I agree. Fifty dollars for a ticket, forty dollars for a T-shirt. You know what? Somebody's running a show in your neighborhood. You know, ten dollars to get in, fifteen or twenty dollars. You can buy a T-shirt that's going to put you know a burger in somebody's stomach and some gas in their car to get them home tonight. You know, and you're going to be watching you know possibly future stars of tomorrow. But you're going to be watching people that love the sport and who do it because they are love it and they are passionate about it. And, uh, you know, there, there's something out there for everybody. And I always just, occur, you know, it's why I wrote Eat, Sleep, Wrestle. And that's why, you know, I continue, you know, to, to plug places like Girl Fight. Um, is it just, there's great stuff out there, you know, going, you know, rather than sitting around and griping about WWE all the time, go out and find something you can enjoy and watch and, and you know, talk about it in a positive light rather than always being negative. Absolutely love that perspective. And, if you've heard any show that we've ever done, John, you'll hear us and our affinity for professional wrestling. That's really uh, what keeps us going day in, day out. And as much as we love pro wrestling, it goes up even a higher level when you start talking about local and independent wrestling. Uh, and I know Herb Simmons mm. gets mad at me when I say independent. He goes, Renee, it's all pro wrestling. <laughs> you don't have to call it independent. Shout out to my boy Herb Simmons over at SICW. Love Herb. Uh, love but her. I, I, great guy, great guy. Well, that said, uh, unfortunately, we've kind of reached uh, the end of our time here uh, during uh, the first featured interview of the evening, but we have reserved just enough to get into tonight's edition of the Shoot and Shout segment. You've done this with us before, John. It's about 30, 45 seconds, a little bit of a therapeutic session. It's all in fun. You get to gripe, complain, fuss, <laughs> or bitch, whatever you feel comfortable doing about anything in the world. It doesn't even have to be wrestling related or not. The question is, do you have the fire in your belly to join us in tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Shoot and Shout segment? Oh, absolutely. Let's do this. Let's do this. Enter Timmy. You know what to do. Hit the music. It's tonight. It's time for tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Shoot and Shout segment. All right. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, I'll go ahead and start it off tonight, Renee, if that's okay. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. All right. So here is my shoot and shout. Um, you know, there is a, uh, a, 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 a poll that is, is going around on, on Facebook for, you know, wrestler of the year, uh, 
manager of the year, referee of, of the year, a tag team of, of, of the year, and this opportunity for wrestlers to get their names out there and get people to vote for them. And my thing is this. If I send you a request, a link to vote for me as referee of the year, if you don't want to vote for it, if it's something that, that you don't believe in, then just don't vote. You don't have to go on to your social media and talk about how you don't support, uh, you know, those, those polls and it doesn't mean anything and it's, and it's pointless because it might be pointless to you, but it's not pointless to somebody else. So all you have to do is just not vote. You don't have to go in there and make a big spiel about why you don't want to vote because you need to ask yourself this question. If you were in the same boat and if you were asking somebody else for a vote, would that person have your vote? Would that person vote for you? By saying that, that you don't support it, it's telling them that you're not going to vote for them no matter what. And if it's a friend that sends you that request, then the least you can do is take five seconds and vote for that person. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Negative 
things to say when they're absolutely not contributing anything to the world of professional wrestling. These are the same people that are sharing the same WWE network login with six of their friends, and they still have the audacity <laughs> to talk trash and complain. I'm sick of it. People need to start acting like grown men, and if you don't like it, it's real easy, you dumbass. Change the freaking channel. That's my shoe shot tonight. John, close us out. <laughs> Renee, Ren- that's well said, man. I mean, I go on that rant all the time, and, you know, Mickey Knuckles once put it in this way. She said, you know, support what you love. Don't bash what you hate. You know, put the energy that you would put into hating on what you don't like into supporting what you do like and turn other people on to it. You know, I think that that's more people need to do that, you know. But it, I think there's I think there's there's wrestling fans and there's people who are fans of bashing wrestling out there. But um, I'm just going to go back, and I'm going to harp on what we touched on earlier, New Japan. I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if anybody connected with New Japan is listening. <laughs> Give us the Roku app. We have New Japan America. You guys are putting on shows around here. That's great. You want to fill those arenas. You want to get more fans. You want to draw eyeballs away from AEW and WWE, which I know you can because your product is ten times better than anything else that's out there right now. But, but as much as I love Impact, you know, and, and and I wouldn't trade Impact for anything or stop watching it for anything. I want to watch Impact, and I want to watch New Japan because New Japan's got the best wrestlers in the world, the best wrestling matches in the world. You know, I want a New Japan Roku app that I can use that I can turn on any TV. I I want new, that access to New Japan so that I can enjoy the best wrestlers and the best wrestling in the world. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet when CM Punk last week when John Morrison said, I can't wait to get back to WWE and get back in the ring with the best in the world. And CM Punk tweeted, dude, Will Ospreay's in New Japan. You know, that's – I want a new, <laughs> yeah. new Japan Roku app. I want that app. I want to be able to watch New Japan anytime I want easily without having to pull it up on my iPad, scroll through the browser, find what I'm looking for, and then click the little button to send it to my Apple TV. I want it on Roku. Come on, guys. And you know what? We actually checked in with Iron Sheik here really quickly, and we wanted to know what Iron Sheik thought about the New Japan app on Roku. Let's go ahead and get his thoughts. Fucking bullshit! (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. John Cosper, EatSleepWrestle.com. Don't even bother. Just go to YouTube, put in John Cosper, and look at all the dope stuff that John's done. <laughs> and if you really, 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 really enjoy this interview, take your stinking ass over to Amazon.com. This man's got so many wonderful pieces of literature that he's put together. And I'm telling you what, this book, this biography on Tracy Smothers is absolutely a can't-miss for your pro wrestling diary. I'm curious, John, do you do a deal where you sign the book and send it out uh, to the fans? Do you do that deal? And if so, uh, how can they go ahead and get a hold of you so that you can uh, not only not only they can get their hands on the book, but they can also get it personally autographed by the author? We will be doing that with, with, with Tracy's book when it comes around. Um, I, tell you, I do have a store on the website, com now. I have autographed copies of Hurricane Maguire's book, Madman Pondo's book. Um, I've got autographed copies of some of the fiction books I've done with Charlie Cruel and Ella the Bomb Shelter. Uh, here's the deal. WrestleTalk fans only, WrestleTalk listeners only. Uh, if you use the coupon code TALK, T-A-L-K, at checkout, 
and order your books direct through com. Not only am I going to sign them, and if you buy one of the other people's books, they're going to be signed by them as well. You're going to get 15% off your entire order, uh, which is the best yeah. coupon I've got out right now. My regular coupon is, is 10%. Use the coupon code T-A-L-K at checkout, eatsleepwrestle.com, and anything, 15% off your entire order. Um, I've got things – Wrestling histories, I got biographies. Again, I've got wrestling fiction. Uh, I just put out a great short story collection called Grappling by Gaslight, which is based on the stories of wrestlers going all the way back to the 1880s that we talked about earlier. So, you know, there's a little bit of something for everybody out there if you want to know your history or if you want to just, just catch up on, you know, one of the stories, the books that we've talked about on here. EatSleepWrestle.com and use the coupon code TALK, T-A-L-K, and uh, you'll save 15% there. Love it. Josie? Wow, that is, is an awesome, awesome deal. Everybody needs to get on that deal. Uh, thank you, John, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast tonight. It has been amazing. Uh, do not be a stranger, sir. Yeah, absolutely not. Anytime you guys want, I'm happy to come back on and talk with you. Great to hear from you guys. John, thank you very much. Again, guys, that's eatsleepwrestle.com. Use the promo code talk to get 15% off your order with the books autographed not only by John but also by guys like Madman Pondo and the upcoming bio of Tracy's Mothers. John, thank you very much for being here. We'll catch you down the road, brother. All right, guys. It's my pleasure. Have a a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Wow, wow, wow. Another spectacular interview with John Cosper. Guys, we got the FWWC coming up in just a matter of moments, but Josie, I got to ask you this question. Did you get that very, very special song uploaded for me? Yes. Yes, you did. You did. Okay, great. Guys, remember what I told you. The new sponsor of the WrestleTalkPodcast.com is Retrocade at the Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas. That's about 15 minutes south of Kansas City, Missouri, on I-35. These guys are fantastic. They're making sure that the world knows that WrestleTalk Podcast is here to support local businesses and beyond. And one of our partners, he performed at the very first open door WrestleTalk Podcast watch party Back in the day, before Rockstar Burgers turned into the controversial freaking nuclear waste dump that it's turned into today, two, three years ago, when it was still reputable, we had this man perform. And he's just released a new song. He's also part owner of Retrocade in the Oak Park Mall, who is one of our new sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and my pleasure to be the first media outlet to play this song. It is a song by our friend Derek, a.k.a. His his rapper name is DBD, and we're going to play this song in its entirety. Again, we are the first media platform to play this song by our boy DBD, representing the Pines of North Carolina, now residing in Kansas City. It is called I Am. Thank you guys for a great first hour. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with Hour 2 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast with Joe and Renee. Turn that up, baby! <laughs> 
Wonderful!
Y'all, what up? Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, Nightmare Jones and all the best jets. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. I call it your live right now during the FWWC segment. Bring the heat. <laughs> oh man! Man, <laughs> 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 can you hear me? Am I on wrestling? No, wrestling phone. Have us on speakerphone, you idiot! Take us off speakerphone. We can't hear shit you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Night Owl You need to talk to your boy El Mata He's been ignoring me <laughs> But guess what Tonight Everybody Is going to know exactly What's going on upstairs in my head <laughs> Don't forget to tune in after the show To the main page Shots <laughs> off and out Okay, I don't know what's going on with that guy. I'm just curious as to what his name is. I have no idea. Listen, guys, we've only got about two to three minutes before we bring Billy on, and I want to respect her time because she's a very busy lady. So make sure you guys come on and you bring the heat, all right? Up next, ladies and gentlemen, the FWWC undisputed women's champion, member of La Familia Worldwide, the one, the only, Hardcore Sis. Good evening, Nadal. How are you doing? Well, I was doing fine until that lunatic before you just called and freaking freaked me out. You know, people like that, you just got to learn to ignore, Nadal. You just kind of say, okay, whatever. You know, he's in his own little world. I'm trying, but that dude is a wacko. You know, wackos are kind of fun sometimes, though, especially if you poke at him a little bit, you know. And and he said something about Almada. Whatever. Almada's not worried about wackos like that. But, you know, I do want to bring up one thing. You know, Sunday's coming. And I'm working myself on a promo that I'd like to put up for the ladies and I haven't seen any promos from either of the other two ladies. I haven't. I mean, I have seen some action from our one and only Miss Lilith. She's shown me that she definitely is interested in this match Sunday. But where has our other opponent been? Okay, can you tell me that night, Al? Where has our other I really been? don't know. Been Listen, nowhere. We, we, we tried to reach out. I've tried to reach out to Fallen personally and not gotten a response. I'm sure she's going to go back and listen to the show. Do you have a message you want to deliver to her before we let you go? Only this. Miss Fallen, Sunday I have given you an opportunity. You and Lilith have the opportunity 
to not only beat the crap out of me, which I know lots of people in the FWWC would love to do, <laughs> but you have the chance to beat me up and take my title. If it's something you want, you need to show me that because I don't think you want it. So let's show me, girl, come get my title if you really want it. If you want it, come get it. I don't think you want it. You haven't shown me anything. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for both you ladies to come and get it. I tell you, Lilith and I, we tore things up Monday night. Now, that wasn't supposed to be a match between her and me. I was just supposed to be a ref. But when Fallen didn't show up, Miss Lilith decided she wanted to smack the referee around. Well, when Hardcore Fist is the referee, I showed Lilith. Hardcore Fist, well, if it's a match you want, Hardcore Fist is going to give you what you want. And I gave it to her. And I walked out the victor. I tell you, S-O-L, sorry, S-O-F. There's some rumors that Lilith may or may not be SOS, but lately, SOS has been going down to La Familia quite a lot. So, uh, Lilith, if you're SOS, then Sunday, you all can wrap another loss up in the column. Have a great night. And uh, bless your hearts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our course is bringing the pain and making sure that the other members of the FWWC know what is up. Guys, we're running very low on time. I don't want to disrespect the callers, uh, but we do have Billy Starks on hold. So I'm going to give each of the next callers about 30 seconds to come on and bring the heat. Make sure you guys bring it because we got to represent for the FWWC. More information on the FWWC over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Uh, first, we're going to go ahead and bring on a man that resides down in Crystal Lake, Man that's been quite angry as of late, folks. The one, the only, Mike Voorhees. Right this is the one, the only Voorhees. And this Friday, Douglas James will know what it means for pain, bloodshed and destruction, and when he does bleed, I will wipe the blood all over his hybrid title. And as for you, hardcore sis, better watch out what you say, and if you ever want to challenge me, La Familia will be one member short. Wow. Well, that's how you deliver a message, ladies and gentlemen. Voorhees on a path to destruction like we've never seen before. We got time for one last caller because I know you got. I'm getting messages. What the hell is this? What are they even talking about? We want to hear Billy. Well, you know what? We're going to give you Billy, okay? But this is part of the buildup. So hold your damn horses. We got one last caller to bring on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm understanding that this is a gentleman named Howard. I'm totally confused. Whoever this is, just make sure you bring the heat, okay? Bring the heat. Night. You're live Night on the Wrestle is- Talk podcast. Night Owl, this is Tank Westbrook. See, you know, obviously Nightmare Jones thinks he's still funny and cool 
naming me something that I'm not really named. You know, Nightmare Jones, I'll see you this Sunday at FWWC TLC, and I will make sure that I move one step closer to obtaining that FWWC Intercontinental title from you. You want to continue calling me a name that, I, that I'm not? <laughs> you're, you're funny. You're trying to be a childish as you can be, but it's, well, it's take, okay. Me, I'll take, see you Sunday. Take this real quick. What is the beef between you and, and Nightmare Jones? I got to know just real quickly here. What the beef is, uh, he's a child. He, he, he's too much childish. He thinks he's having too much fun. He wants to say that I, I need to ignore the fans, that, you know, the fans aren't there also. And my fans are truly are my, my fans. They love me. I can't help it that somebody has shown love for me. He is he is a deranged man who clearly does not think right. And I've tried to show him the true way in the loving way, but he had to turn his back on me. All right. Well, obviously it sounds like you guys have got a lot of beef to settle this upcoming Sunday at FWWC TLC. Um, Before we go on to our featured interview of the evening, of the second hour, I should say, I just want to make sure everybody knows, I know that the FWWC segment can be a little confusing. Let me explain. A lot of people in this world want to be professional wrestlers like Billy Starks, but they can't. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's circumstantial. The FWWC gives people the opportunity to basically live the life of a professional wrestler without actually having to step in the ring. A lot of people call it an E-Fed. Some people call it fantasy wrestling. But I tell you, there's a lot of fans out there that wish they could actually be pro wrestlers, but they can't. The FWWC gives people that opportunity. More information for you guys over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com forward slash fantasy wrestling. I know it's a little corny. A lot of the actual wrestlers make fun of it or whatever. But I'll tell you what, in my time with the FWWC, I found that it really does open up an avenue and a door for people that can't actually live out that dream to be able to at least pretend like they are. And for a lot of us, that's more than enough. Kudos to everybody from the FWC, another great group of callers. And you know what? I couldn't be more excited for FWC TLC. We've got some great matches on deck. And I know that both general managers, Marcus Mayhem and Curtis Black, are lining up to make sure that their brands come out on top in the heated FWWC brand battle. All that said, intern Timmy, you know what time it is. I want you to cue up that music because it's time for a second featured interview of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this lady has been making waves throughout the independent wrestling scene for a, a little short while now, a couple of years. And you know what? She's wrestled some of the very best. She's been in the ring with Lainey Love, and she continues to mark names off of the list that she constructed for herself for 2019, and I'm sure she's got a new list for 2020 of people that she wants to face in the ring. All that said, enter Timmy, hit the music as we welcome in Billy Starks for the very first time right here on episode 276 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Hi guys, how are you? 
What's so up, Billy? How you doing How tonight? You? Dude, that was – I had no idea that you were going to play the boys' music, and it got me really excited. I was like, wait, this isn't my music, but it's still his. <laughs> right? Where the hell did y'all get that music, damn it? <laughs> I was like, wait, is it me? <laughs> no, not you. Our, 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 our production team, I don't know what the hell they be doing half the time. I think they smoke too much, Billy. That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> well, listen, listen, it's great to have you on. Uh, sorry for the delay. We just got a lot of passionate callers. And if you've ever heard the Wrestle Talk podcast before, you know, we love our featured guests, but really our lifeblood is the callers. Just like for you, Billy, the fans are the lifeblood of everything you've been able to do up to this point in professional wrestling. I know you're relatively young in the sport, but you've gained some notoriety pretty quickly. Can you talk to us uh, a, a little bit about the origins and what made you decide that you want to be a part of this crazy, kooky world of professional wrestling? Okay. So basically when I was younger, I was like four years old, and this mouse, this guy named Mouse came into my life. Um, he's my stepdad, and he loves wrestling. So whenever he was around, we'd sit on the couch, and we'd watch wrestling and NCIS. And that's like what I based my whole life off of. So when I was little, <laughs> I was like, I want to be an ice cream truck driver. I want to be a um, criminal minds investigator, or I want to be a professional wrestler, and for some reason, professional wrestler always stuck with me. Everybody always thought I was crazy, but, like, throughout school, everything, that's always been, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a wrestler, and I made my dream come true. Yes, you absolutely did, and and even though you're kind of just getting started in the world of pro wrestling, you've already had some pretty high-profile matches I know it's not popular to name drop, but if you could do us a favor, who are some of the people you've already had the opportunity to face? So you guys already mentioned it, but I wrestled Laney Luck at Black Label. Um, I had Sue Young at Girl Fight, and I also had Samantha Heights for my first Girl Fight match. And then I also wrestled Shotzi before she got the bookings and the signings. Oh, wow. Sue Young, and you're talking Shotzi. And I have a special place in my heart for Shotzi, Billy, because one of her very last shows was here in Kansas City uh, at Journey Pro Wrestling. And I can tell you, quite a few fans here in Kansas City are wondering why you have not made your way to Kansas City just yet. I'm hoping that in the near future you can make an appearance because there's a lot of fans around here that definitely want to see you perform. I'm totally down. One of my favorite things to do is travel. Like, I hate being stuck in one place. It's one of my biggest pet right. peeves. But I love traveling and getting to meet new people and, like, seeing new fans because it's always entertaining. You never know who you're going to meet. And no doubt, no doubt. So tell me about that. I know a lot of the wrestlers, especially some of the legends, uh, like Teddy Biasi and Tracy Smothers and Savio Vega and some of the guys that we've had a chance to talk to, they've got some pretty – funny and interesting stories from the road. I'm curious, even though you're just kind of starting your road through professional wrestling, do you have any interesting stories, any weird things that you've run into as you're driving across the country up to this point? Anything you might be willing to share with us? Um, I have, like, stories that we make jokes out of, but, like, none of my, like, own experience is just, like, 
from other people that I've been told. Um, so there used to be this thing. So Ruby Riot, her shoot name is Dory. So apparently on car trips, she used to just throw trash out of the window. And <laughs> um, some of the guys that I'm around, like indie boys, like um, Jonathan Wolf, Kemp, and all of them, um, they make the joke every time <laughs> they feel like being a bad person, like throwing trash out the window, they'll go, Dory, and chuck it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's freaking incredible, and I'll tell you what, uh, when you look at yourself, Billy, I'm curious, and I know you don't, you, you're probably taught to not get too far ahead of yourself, but do you see yourself having those aspirations to follow in the footsteps of somebody like Shotzi Blackheart? I just, one of my things is I want to see where life takes me. Like, if I go on the path Shotzi took, that would be amazing. I would love life. But I feel like everybody's journeys is different than their, like someone else's. Mine is not going to be the same as hers. Mine's not going to be the same as another person. It's all going to be different. So I just feel like wherever I go, I'm going to go where I'm happy. Oh, and that's so important these days. I know we were talking to John Cosper a little bit earlier, and he was talking to us about Madman Pondo and Girl Fight. And, you know, it, it, it obviously uh, is a time now where you can make your own path. You don't only have one or two options of what you can do in your career. Really, you could stay as an independent performer your whole career and do pretty dang good for yourself. So I'm curious, up to this point, can you talk to us about some of the promotions that you've been at and some of the ones that you've enjoyed significantly in your time? So, like, one of my, like, special homes for me is Girl Fight. And, like, it's always going to be my home because – when I first started watching wrestling, that's one of the first shows I went to. And the first show I went to, like, Solo Darling was on there, Taylor Hendricks, and Sam. And that's what I love. That was women wrestling that I loved. And I feel like that's one of the things that's always going to stick with me. And that's why I love Girl Fight so much and what Pondo does for the girls. And then I also, like, St. Louis Anarchy is also, like, my newest found home. Like, all the people there are so great. I love the fans and the energy, and I don't know why, but every time I get there, I'm, like, I'm ready to show out and do the craziest things I can. And I love, love, love Black Label, and I want to be able to be there all the time because I've been there since their first show, and it's only gotten better since, and I want to be part of that. Well, that's so awesome, and you talk about St. Louis Anarchy, a promotion that I hold near and dear to my heart. I make a couple of trips out to St. Louis every year, and I always make sure that at least one of those visits, it's over uh, to St. Louis Anarchy. Shout out to Matt and uh, everybody, KLD, the whole gang over there, everybody, Jeremy White, everybody's just absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're great, which is why I'm wondering why you haven't been to Journey yet. Hopefully that's coming in 2020. Let's see what happens. I'm excited. I'm crossing my fingers. Gabe, I know you're listening. Walter, I know you're listening. DJ, I know you're listening. We want Billy and KC got started. We water and we water now. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I don't want to be selfish. I have uh, a co-host, uh, my buddy Nightmare Jones here. I know he's a, a fan of yours as well, Billy. So, Jonesy, why don't you jump in here with any questions you might have for Billy? Absolutely. Um, 
Once again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the uh, our podcast. I guess that my first question is, uh, you know, you 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 mentioned the name Madman Pondo, and I know he is involved with with Girl Fight. Uh, what kind of, of interactions have you had with 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 Madman Pondo, and what are your thoughts on Madman Pondo? Pondo is, like, one of the greatest people I've met through wrestling. He's so kind and caring for everybody, and he's always there for the wrestlers. Um, And I've been on some, like, pretty great car trips with him. Um, So we had some shows in Tennessee together, and this man is obsessed with cookout. Like, it's a crazy obsession, because if you go to Tennessee with him, he has to go cookout, or he's going to leave unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. Hey, you can't beat that. I like cookouts. Come on now. <laughs> Same. <Dude>. Same. <laughs> oh. So I I I guess that 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 my second uh, question is you have the uh nickname of Space Jesus. How did you get the nickname of Space Jesus? Um <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say this story, but it's basically a inside joke that happens between a bunch of people at a Bizarro seminar with Jimmy Jacobs. And ever since then, um, at WCWO, Jordan Rose walked into the locker room, who wants to be called Space Jesus? And I was like, it's me. If anyone else takes this name, they're cowards. <laughs> So that's where <laughs> And Jordan that night announced me, Face Jesus, Billy Starks, and everybody was so confused. And I loved every second of it, so I kept it since. That's awesome. Wow. That is definitely awesome. So you got your uh, professional wrestling start at um, Grindhouse Pro Wrestling uh, uh, Academy. You, you trained by. Raul Lamata and Rudy Switzblade. Uh, what, what, what was it like training at the uh, Grindhouse Pro Wrestling Academy? Um, it was a lot of fun. Like, I literally was at training tonight, and my knee is swollen because I took a bad bump because I'm an idiot. But I, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, when I first started um, training, I literally went there to watch. I came from cheerleading practice and was sitting there watching. I was asked to get in the ring, um, and I just haven't left since. Like, that's my home. That's where I belong in the ring. Absolutely. I've uh, seen some, some of your matches. I, I would definitely agree that uh, that you definitely belong in the uh, uh, professional wrestling league uh, ring. And I guess that my last question before I throw it back to Renee is, when you are getting ready to to wrestle in a match, what do you hope that the fans get out of seeing a Billy Starks match? I just want them to be happy at the end. I want them to remember who I am and want to see me again. Like, when I was a fan, it would make me so happy when the person came out with the same energy for love of wrestling and I just want people to still have that connection with me. Like, there's this fan in, at St. Louis Anarchy. Her name's Lily, and she reminds me so much of me, and I love every second of seeing her because she makes me so happy. 
but that's what I want out of wrestling, to make people love it and as excited about it as I am. Wow. Very, nice, very, a, very good answer. So awesome. So awesome. Well, Joe, let, let, let me jump in back here. in here. Let me jump in. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Billy, I, I was I was browsing through your social as I was doing my research, and I couldn't help but notice that you have already checked off one of my bucket list items, and I'm very jealous of you because, <laughs> at, listen, and I'm an old guy. You already have an action figure of yourself, and, uh, and people are going to go, oh, prove it, prove it. Well, guess what, guys? I'm going to go ahead and prove it right now for anybody watching on the Facebook Live. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Space Jesus, Billy Sparks, already has her own stinking action figure. And I'm super jealous. You hear something funny? I'm jealous. I can have my own action figure, but I don't. Billy, how cool and how surreal is it to know that you have your own freaking action figure? It's so freaking cool, and I love it. Like, something funny is for, um, I think it was my birthday. My mom actually got me an action figure made. So this is actually my second action figure of my boat. Oh, wow. <laughs> you cut me deep. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, I- I'm very, very jealous because you're getting to live a dream that many people in the world of pro wrestling uh, want to live. And, again, you're just getting started. So uh, let me ask this, this question, and it may be a little bit – maybe a, a bit tougher than some of the other ones. I know that there are reasons that people in the world – not just in the world of pro wrestling, but there are reasons that people in the world get marginalized and discriminated against. You not only have the fact that you're a girl working against you in, in a male-oriented business – but you're also a young lady, an upstart in the world of professional wrestling business. What sort of advice would you offer to young ladies that are looking like my daughters? I have a, a young, I have a couple of young daughters myself. So, what advice would you offer to them if they were looking into potentially getting into the world of pro wrestling that maybe you've learned already along the way? Just stay humble, and if this is really what you want, you have to fight for it. Because you have to fight for every opportunity you're going to get. Like, I love wrestling so much. This is the one thing that I'm never going to give up. So if you truly love this, you're going to have to fight for your love. Absolutely love it. And anybody who's ever seen you perform, whether it be online or in person, they know that you personify that passion. And, And there was one particular match that I was curious about. Um, because you had an opportunity to face um, one of the most well-respected gals, ladies, in the world of professional wrestling, and her name is Kylie Ray. Uh, she's been in the news recently. She was with AEW for a short stint, and then she decided to step away from them. Can you talk to us uh, maybe a little bit about what it was like to work against somebody like Kylie Ray? That was one of my dream matches. Like, it meant so much to me. Uh, Mouse will always say it meant more to him because he says she's the greatest women wrestler. And seeing that was the one match I think I almost made him cry. And I was like, oh, I was so close. <laughs> but this, that match meant so much to me because I was given the opportunity 
to wrestle someone who is like a role model to me. Like everybody tells me that I'm just young Kylie Ray, and it's kind of funny, but she is where women wrestling should be. Like she is a top-notch wrestler, and it's not a top-notch women wrestler. It's a top-notch wrestler, and that's all it should be. Agreed. Absolutely agree. And it's awesome that you appreciate that opportunity because she is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, my last question before we get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge, because I hear you're very competitive, Billy. I hear you're very competitive. So we're going to give you an opportunity like to compete in a little bit of a trivia challenge. But my, my last question for you is this. Um, well, actually, it's a two-parter. So one, have you gotten any hate for being young and being a lady in the sport, have you felt any resentment from anybody in the locker room? Because, you know, there's guys like Sandman out there, freaking idiot, that think that girls should be main eventing matches. Clearly he's wrong, <laughs> right? Clearly he has no idea what the hell he's talking about. So that's the first part of my question. Have you, have you felt or seen or heard any doubters out there because of who you are? I've heard things, and I people have said stuff to me, but it's one of those things where I've never really focused on that aspect. Like, I've never felt, like, jealousy towards anybody. Like, I'll hate people because they're just butts, but I've never understood <laughs> people for who they are and doing something they love. Like, I will never understand that. People have way too much free time. That's all I'm going to say, Billy. And, uh, and my, my the second part of my question is, you have not limited yourself to just competing against women. Um, we, in doing our research, saw that uh, you're willing to take on guys as well, all right? Uh, over at uh, YGT19, um, you know, young guns in, uh, the Young Guns Tournament, shout out to, to everybody over there in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, Jordan Oliver... Uh, Braden Lee and yourself, tell me, you've had the experience of wrestling guys, dudes in the ring before. Is it different for you? Is it difficult? Is it the same? Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? I like thinking of it as another wrestling match. It's just a different type of opponent. So you have to know who you're wrestling. It's just a different type of the sport. So, it's a little different than me wrestling a girl, but it's still a wrestling match. That's how it should be thought of. It's still a match. That's so freaking dope. Your perspective is absolutely amazing. I love it. And I also am a little jealous of you because you got to be on a card with Mance Warner, and we've been trying to get Mance on the show for a little while, so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little jealous. absolutely love that crazy country boy. And you know what? I'm going to be selfish. What would you say? If you think my schedule is busy, Mance's is like ten times as worse as mine. I know. That's, <laughs> that's why I don't take. That's why we don't take it personally. Hopefully, sometime in 2020. Plus, we got a pretty good relationship with the folks over at MLW, so maybe we'll make that happen. I got one last very selfish question, and then we'll get into the game show challenge, uh, Billy. I'm curious the hand gesture that you make in all of your promo pictures. Which, by the way, we got a great picture of you. The poster on the Wrestle Talk logo looks fantastic. Thank you very much for that. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the hand gesture, where you came up with it, and what it means? Is it the um, ring finger down, or is it the pinky one? Because I make two hand gestures. Uh, the, the, the ring finger down. So ring finger down is IFHY. I didn't come up with it. Um, it was a thing that um, Jordan Rose, um, Sean Kemp, and Jonathan Wolf came up with. And um, Cole Radrick, they were called the ND3, and it turned into IFHY. And when I when I had my first match, I was added in because that is, like, my wrestling family. Like, they're all, like, my brothers and would do anything in the world for me. So that ring finger down just represents that's my family and that's our group and that's our way of saying we'll always be together. Okay, you know, i got to ask you, what about the pinky? Oh, Pinky, so this is a story with me and Alice Crowley where um, we kept getting yelled at for not being PG. So we were like, oh, we're PG. (laughs) So we just started um, pointing Pinkies at everybody when they made us angry. (laughs) Ah, I see. So instead of sticking the other finger up, you were just using the Pinky instead. Yes, we are PG children. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Christopher Daniels uh, of AEW uh, was in Kansas City a couple of years ago, and he used to do this gimmick where he had glove, like a black glove on, but there was one finger exposed, and it was the middle finger. And because the show that he was at was a quote-unquote family show, he couldn't stick the middle finger out to the fans, right? So – what he came up with, it's freaking genius. He cut out the middle finger of his glove where the middle finger was obviously exposed and all the other fingers were in the glove and they were black. So what he would do is he would stick the back of his hand out to the fan, not necessarily stick up the middle finger, but when he stuck the hand up, you could totally understand that he was giving you the one-finger salute. So when I saw that from you, I was like, I wonder if that's what Billy's doing. And you know what? You're following the footsteps of a wrestling legend. Great job. I don't know if you knew that, and I don't even know if he does that anymore. But that is a wonderful thing, and that is a great way to keep it PG, but to still get your message across. Very well done, Billy. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. Well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and tap into a little bit of that competitive nature that you have in tonight's edition of the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. And what we want to do, Billy, is um, give you an opportunity to answer a couple of questions. All you got to do is listen to the clues. As soon as you know the answer, all you got to do is shout it out. We'll do two out of three falls, and it'll be you against my co-host, Nightmare Jones. The question is, are you down? I'm down. Let's go. Let's go into it, Timmy. You know what to do, baby. Hit the music for tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world-famous 
Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Our contestants this evening are Billy Starks, Space Jesus, yeah, gang, gang, and Wrestle Talk Podcast <laughs> very own Nightmare Jones. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, I lost my script here. I lost my script. Wait a minute. Uh, in honor <laughs> of tonight's special guest, we will be presenting a special edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. In 1998, Booker T and Chris Benoit had an outstanding best of seven series. Tonight's contestants will not be the will not be the standard best two out of three falls, but it will be the best out of seven. In a few moments, what? I will ask you step just settle down. In a, in a few is, moments, man, guys, it'll go. Listen, relax, okay. <laughs> in a few moments. I will ask you seven questions about a particular pro wrestling topic. Whoever you think the answer is to the question, shout out your answer. The first person to win four out of seven questions will win tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. You guys understand so far? I feel like I'm being so. set up here. Oh, my goodness. Relax, Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge is titled Pro Wrestling Nicknames. I will give you the nicknames of seven famous professional wrestlers. When you think you know who I'm talking about, please shout out your answer. Once again, the first person to win four out of seven questions will win tonight's Game Show Challenge. Do you both understand the rules? Yes. Yes. You do? Okay, perfect. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in and ask the very first question. Again, as soon as you think you know the answer, shout it out. First question. Well, as a matter of fact, it's not a question. I'm going to give you guys the nickname of this professional wrestler, and as soon as you know who it is, just shout out the answer. We're going to do one sample just to make sure everybody understands the rules. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the sample. So the nickname that I have is the Enforcer. Also, Double A. Um, oh, on Anderson. And your answer is correct. Nightmare Jones, you would have been awarded a point, but that is just a sample question. So as soon as you know it, you shout it out. You guys got it? I'm going to be so bad at this. <laughs> uh, hey, I, yes. Joe barely beat you to it. He barely beat you to it. So just make sure you're ready to answer right away. Here's question number one. The nickname for this professional wrestler is the eighth wonder of the world. Ah. Oh. I love this one. Um. Stump. Uh, Come on, guys. <laughs> what? Andre the Giant? Is it Andre the Giant? Andre the Giant is correct! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Billy. 
you have been awarded the first fall. Nickname uh. number two. Nickname number two. The ninth wonder of the world. Oh, it's a girl, isn't it? China. It's a girl. China. China is correct. Wonderful. <laughs> so the current score is one to one. Number three. Nickname. Name this wrestler. The Excellence of Execution, also known as the Hitman. Oh. Oh, Bret Hart. Correct. Oh, no. You have it correct, Billy. <laughs> Wonderful. That is two for Billy and one for Nightmare Jones. All right, guys. Next question. Question number four. This man's got several nicknames, so make sure you're paying attention. Nickname number one for this wrestling legend, the Shooter, the Iceman, also known as the Man of a Thousand Holes. Who are we talking about? Dean Malenko. That is correct, Joe. Correct. Wonderful. Score <laughs> is now two to two. Goodness. Next question. Next question. Here are the clues and the nicknames. The Prince of Darkness, the Games Master, and the Taskmaster. Name this wrestler. Oh. Uh, um, uh, I don't I know. Like uh, we've had him on the podcast. Kevin... What is his name? Kevin. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I can I think. Uh, no, I'm stumped on this one. I'm going to say Kevin Sullivan. Name your joke. That is correct. Wonderful. Current score, current score is three to two. Three to two. Nightmare Jones, if you get one more correct, you will be the winner of tonight's edition of the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Next clue. This man is known as Mr. Monday Night and also the whole effing show. Rob Van Dam. Oh, oh no. Billy, Billy Starks, you are correct. Wonderful. No. All right. All right. We got a tie score, ladies and gentlemen. We got a tie score. Next person with the right answer will win tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Here it is. Here's the nickname. This man was known as the franchise of WCW. Franchise. Franchise. 
Is it Shane? It's Shane something. That is correct. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen. Fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, Irish Sheik. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever in her first appearance on the show, Billy Stars has won the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Enter Timmy. Hit that woman's music right now. Wonderful. No, that's not it, you dummy. Hit the other one. <laughs> that is not my music. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. Hey. And they say that. And of course, without 
goes without saying, but she's a total certified badass in the squared circle. That is about it for tonight, Jones. You got any closing thoughts for the members of the Wrestle Talk family? Oh, just thank you everybody for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us, to support us. Uh, absolutely, we've got some 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 amazing things uh, are coming up. I mean, you know, you you would think that we would take time off during the holidays. No show. We are not taking time off. We are going to continue with the Retro Talk podcast. So we will see you all next week with episode two seventy. That's right, y'all. WrestleTalkPodcast.com 24-7. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace, love, and chicken grease. And since Timmy hit that music (laughs) one time. Another deal with a theater, cause I'm feeling like that. Nah, nah, I just blow the money, got a swimming in cash. I don't even throw the money, sit the brick on the ass. The bitch been a fan while she hitting my jack. Another deal with a theater, cause I'm feeling like that. Nah, nah, I just blow the money, got a swimming in cash. I don't even throw the money, sit the brick on the ass. All these bricks of money, I be stacking. All the dollars busting through the plastic. 1800 got me blasted. I'ma keep the money, come and keep dancing. Tonight I fell in love with a stripper. Ferguson can be a lot.